السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وسلم تسليما كثيرا ما بعد Apologies for the um, technical issues we didn't have audio before for those of you online and inshallah we do now I hope do we? <laughs> okay either way um, so we're on the final verse of Surah Al-Takathur and as we we mentioned last week, we spoke about the majority of the verses last week and the verses in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the reality to come on the day of judgment and how people will come to know the reality of the issue of what they've accumulated in this world on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and how the negligence of certain people, their heedlessness will be held to account on the day of judgment. In verse number 8, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes by saying, And then on that day, you will be asked about your pleasures. Can we just go to the Quran.com, please? Um, you will be asked about your pleasures, which is Dr. Abdul Harim, uh, Sahih International. You will surely be asked that day about pleasure. Muhsin Khan, then on that day, you shall be asked about the delight you indulged in in this world. Mufti Taqi Uthmani, then you will be asked about all the pleasures you enjoyed in this world. So the first or the last verse complements the first verse very nicely in the sense that the first verse is all about people wanting more and more and more, amassing more wealth, amassing more uh, possessions, more materialism. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the last verse, don't think that any of that or, or all of that or any of that or none of that will be left without being questioned and how to account for. So every single thing that we do in this world, small or big, will, we will be held to account for on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So Allah Azza wa concludes this surah with this verse to show the reality of that situation. And we will speak about in this uh, lesson and concerning this verse primarily two issues. The first issue is what the scholars of tafsir discuss about the type of na'im, the type of pleasure, the type of blessing that a person will be held to account for. Meaning, is it every single blessing that a person will be asked about or is it only the major blessings or certain blessings as opposed to others? That's the first issue. The second issue is that this type of questioning and accounting that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in this final verse of Surah Al-Takathur, is this kind of questioning for everyone, believers and disbelievers? Or is, it, or is this the type of accounting that is only for the disbelievers, for the wrongdoers, for the people who have uh, you know, like who have gone astray from the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or is it something more general and includes everyone? Those are the two primary issues that are going to be discussed and that the scholars of tafsir discuss in terms of this verse. Uh, the scholars of tafsir, when it comes to this issue, in order in relation to the first issue of this verse, which is what type of na'im, what type of blessing does Allah azza wa hold us to account for? They mention a number of a hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Thumma, then, Latus'alunna, you will surely, right, you will surely, meaning in the future, the scene uh, or the lamb is for ta'keed, for emphasis. The noon at the end of Latus'alunna is for further emphasis. So Allah Azza wa emphasizes the issue twice to establish Yawm al-Qiyamah, establish resurrection, establish accounting, and questioning on that day, Yawma Idhin. Yawma Idhin. Yawma Idhin 
is a word that comprises of two words. It is one word, but in essence, it is two words that have been amalgamated and joined together. Yom, which means day, and idhan, or idha, which means when. Right? And in the Arabic language, you do yawma idhin. You can bring them both together. Meaning, and then when on that day, you will be questioned about your blessing. So it's as if to say, don't think that it's something that you will have all of these blessings and that you won't be held to account for them. Allah Azza wa is saying, when on that day, meaning that it is a reality that is going to come. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the word yawma idhin, mentioned many times in the Quran, that kind of joining of yawm and idh is mentioned many times in the Quran. Usually, usually it is the yawm has a fatha on it, yawma idhin. But sometimes in the qira'ah of Asim, the meme can have a kasra. Like for example, in the verse in um, is it Surah Ma'arij, يُبَصَّرُونَهُمْ يَوَدُّ الْمُجْرِمُ لَوْ يَفْتَدِي مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمِئِذِمْ بِبَنِي Not yawma, yawmi'idhim. So sometimes the meme can have a kasra, and that's to do more with Arabic grammar rather than anything else. But yawmi'idhim is, is the more common version of this uh, in the Quran. So yawmi'idhim, yawmi'idhim meaning when on that day, right? when on that day you will be questioned. And then Allah Azza wa Jal says na'im, about the blessing. And na'im is a word that includes, encompasses anything that you enjoy, anything that you benefit from, anything that you can take benefit from. So the word na'im here, does it include basic things like, for example, staple food, what I need in order to live, water that I need to drink in order to live, my clothing, enough clothing for me to protect myself from the cold and the heat, uh, basic accommodation, a roof over my head to keep me safe and secure. Are these very basic needs at the very basic level? So food, not extravagant food, the very basic that you need to survive. Right? Like in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, water, dates, barley, wheat, just the very basic staple foods, the basic type of clothing, the basic type of accommodation, is even that going to be held to account for? Allah Azza wa Jalla ask us about that, or is it more than that? More than what is our basic needs? Anything over and above is what Allah Azza wa Jalla will hold us to account for. That is one discussion that the scholars of Tafsir have concerning this verse, and they mention a number of a hadith. And the reason why they have this discussion is because there are a number of a hadith that speak to this issue of blessing and its accounting on Yom Al Qiyamah. From them is the hadith in Sahih Muslim. Of Abu Huraira, radiallahu an, in which he said that the Prophet وسلم, came out of his house one day or one night, he says, and he found both Abu Bakr and Umar. So he said to them, What has caused the two of you to come out at this time of the night? So it's a time when it's not usual for people to be out in those days of the Prophet. So they said, O Messenger of Allah, al Jur, it is hunger that has caused us to leave our houses at this time. The Prophet said, and by Allah, I too am out because of that very same reason of hunger. So he said, let us go together to someone's house. And he went to the house of Iman from the Ansar. The Hadith of Sahih Muslim doesn't name this companion from the Ansar, but the scholars Al-Qurtubi and others in the, in the explanations of Sahih Muslim, 
they mentioned the name of this companion as Abu Haytham. Abu Haytham, his name was Malik ibn Tayhan, radiyallahu an, from the companions of the Ansar. And he was from the senior companions of the Ansar, from the early Muslims who accepted Islam from the people of Medina. It is said, according to some of those scholars, that he was part of the group that first went to the Prophet ﷺ and gave the initial pledge of allegiance at the Bay'atul Aqaba al-Ula, the first pledge of allegiance that those like 10, 12 companions of Medina gave to the Prophet ﷺ during the season of Hajj. So he's from the early Muslims, from the early Muslims amongst the people of Medina, amongst Ansar. It is said that he died in the Khilafah of Umar And when the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca to Medina and he was making the pacts of brotherhood between the companions of Mecca and the companions of Medina. The companion with whom uh, Abu Haytham became a brother was Uthman ibn Mad'un, the famous companion, one of the early Muslims, and one of the few famous companions to have died during the lifetime of the Prophet It is said, according to some scholars, he was the first companion of Mecca to be buried in Baqir, the first of the Muhajireen to be buried in Baqir, he died shortly after the Battle of Badr. So anyway, this companion, this is the companion whose house the Prophet chooses to go. So the Prophet Abu Bakr and Umar, they turn up at the man's house. He's not home. His wife sees them. She says, welcome. The Prophet says to her, where is your husband? She says, he's gone to draw water for us. He's gone to bring some water. They wait for him to come. The Prophet sees the man of the Ansar come. And the man from the Ansar, this companion, sees the Prophet Abu Bakr Umar radiallahu anhum, and he says, all praises for Allah. No one has more honorable guests than me today. No one has more honorable guests than me today. The Prophet وسلم, or rather the man, seats his guests and he goes and he brings an idq, a basket, full of, the narration says, busrun wa tamrun wa rutab. Three types of dates. Right? Three types of dates. And without making this a technical thing about farming and agriculture, because I'm not a farmer, <laughs> or a, a date specialist, but busr is a type of date that has just started to turn ripe. It has just started to turn ripe. So in, uh, you know, Bilal probably knows this because he lived in the Middle East, although he doesn't look too sure now. <laughs> when, it comes to, when it comes to dates, you have dates, I don't know if you've ever seen yellow dates. Yellow dates are like unripe dates, right? And, and people like them, they kind of have a sweetness, sometimes they're red in color as well, bright red. They're dates that are not ripened yet. They're normally hard and, and not chalky. Is that like a color or a description or a taste? Chalky? Chalky? They taste chalky? Anyway, okay. Huh? Yeah, like, yeah, but I've just never heard chalky as a description of food. So, okay. So anyway, they're chalky. And, but anyway, it's a type of date. What happens then is the date ripens and it becomes rutab. Rutab is where it's half yellow, half brown, right? It's kind of like going in between, it's half and half. And rutab is what the Prophet used to like to open his fast with. He would open his fast with what is called rutab. And even today, if you go to that part of the world where they have easy access to dates and you go, they're the frozen ones, the cold ones that they normally have at the time of, you know, if you go for Ramadan, for example, you'll see that's where they, they normally have on their, on their plate for opening the fast. And then when it ripens completely, it becomes tamar. And tamar is what we have. That's what we get in the UK. Most of what, what's like shipped over is tamar. It is a fully ripe date. 
So he bore a basket of the dates, the old dates, but three different stages of ripening of the date. Busrun, Tamrun, Rutab. And he gave it to the Prophet Wasallam. Why is he giving them these three types of dates? It is the type of a way of the Arabs uh, showing hospitality, showing favor. Because these different types of ripening are things that people like to eat right, in the Arab world. Like I'm not a big fan of Busr. It's not something which I necessarily enjoy. But they consider it to be something nice. So they give it to you and they give it to you as their guest and so on. We're not really used to it. It's not our palate, right? It's too chalky for us. <laughs> so we, we prefer it when it becomes like tamar. But they like that kind of thing. So anyway, he brings this, this to them and he gives it to them. These, uh, the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and Umar. And then he goes and he says, O Messenger of Allah, eat from this. I will go and bring you food. Meaning I will slaughter for you a sheep. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, don't bring me anything that you need for your family, meaning a sheep or a goat or anything that your family is using to milk from, to use, benefited from. Don't, don't sacrifice what you need. So he brings for them some food. So the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr eat and Umar, they eat from the dates and they eat from the meat and he brings them water and they drink from the water. And then the Prophet ﷺ turns to Abu Bakr and Umar after they finish and he says, by the one in whose hand is my soul, Indeed, you will be asked about this on the Day of Judgment. You will be asked about these blessings on the Day of Judgment. You left your homes tonight hungry, and you will return after benefiting from this blessing. Right? So that is a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ is saying, you will be asked about this. Right? And obviously, they are eating from some of the nicer type of food that they had during that time. Another narration in a Tirmidhi this time also on the authority of Abu Hurairah is a hadith in which he says, Abu Huraira, that when Allah revealed this verse, and then on that day you will be asked about these pleasures. The people said, O Messenger of Allah, which pleasures, which blessings will we be asked about when all we have are the two dark things, aswadan, or the two black things, which means water and dates. Right? In Arabic, they are known as Aswadan, the two dark things, right, or the two black things, literally. Why are they called the two dark things? Water is not dark. It is, Arabs do this, where they, the majority of what they had was dates. Dates was more common than water. So what is more common takes the, the description of both, right? So they call the dark things because dates was more common than water. Water was at a premium during that time. Anyway. The point is that they call the two dark things. They say, oh, Messenger of Allah, which blessings will Allah hold us to account for? All we have is dates and waters and enemies that surround us. And we're constantly fighting them. That's all we have. That's all our life is, fighting, very little food, poverty. Which blessings will Allah ask us about? The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna dhalika sayakun. That is what you will be questioned about. That is what you will be question about, right? And so, as I said at the beginning, the first discussion amongst the scholars of tafsir on this verse is which type of blessing does Allah hold us to account for? Is it every blessing or is it only certain blessings as opposed to others? And the reason why is because um, of the following hadith and similar hadith to it, the third hadith in this chapter or in the tafsir of this verse is the hadith the authentic hadith of Abu Asib radiyallahu anhu. Abu Asib is one of the freed slaves of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Prophet has a number of people that he freed from slavery. And they're called in Arabic, Mawla. Mawla means a free slave. Someone that purchases or has in their possession a slave and they grant them their freedom. The Prophet had a number of freed slaves. Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, mentions them in Zad al-Ma'ad. He mentions their names. And al-Hafidh al-Iraqi mentions them as well in his poetry. The point is that he had a number of them. This is probably one of the lesser known ones, this companion by the name of Abu Asib radiallahu But anyway, he says that the Prophet sallallahu left his house one night and he called me. And then he passed by Abu Bakr, his house, and he called him and he came out. And then he passed by Umar's house and he called him and he came out. So he said the three of us went together until we came to the garden of one of the Ansar. And he entered into his garden or the farm of one of the Ansar and the Prophet said to us, let us eat from your busr. The type of date again, that is the yellow kind of like unripe date. Let us eat from your busr. So he bought for them a basket of that type of date along with water. And he gave it to them. So the Prophet وسلم, Abu Bakr, Umar, Abu Asib, they eat and they drink. And then the Prophet said to them, you will be asked about this on the day of judgment. This date that you ate these dates, you will be asked about on the day of judgment. Umar radiallahu anhu, when he heard this, he struck the basket and the dates fell out in front of the Prophet sallam, and he said, O Messenger of Allah, we will be asked about this. This is what we will be questioned about, even this. The Prophet sallam, said, yes, you will be asked about all of this except for three things. For a piece of cloth that you use to cover your awrah, for the food that a man eats to to uh, fulfill their hunger, to give them, to satisfy their hunger, and for the stones that you have or for the basic accommodation that you have that protects you from the extreme weather of the cold and the heat. Right? So in this hadith now, the third hadith, what do we have now? Are we asked about everything? No, there is an exception made in this hadith. The exception is the three basic needs that a person has. Enough food to satisfy your hunger, Clothing, enough to cover your aura, and basic accommodation to keep you away from extreme weather of heat and cold. Right? And so that's you know, the hadith, why there is this difference of opinion as to, amongst the scholars, as to whether this verse is am, it encompasses everything, or whether there are some exceptions to this. In another hadith, the fourth narration, the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, from the first thing that a person will be asked about concerning their blessings on the day of judgment is that Allah will say, did we not give to you good health and did we not give to you cold water? That's from the first blessings that a person will be asked about on the day of judgment. Which also brings, and we will mention this later, but some of the scholars even mentioned in terms of the blessing then, that it's not just the blessing of physical material things, blessings of food and drink and so on, because in this hadith Allah is naming good health as a blessing. So it's even what you possess that isn't materialistic, but it is a blessing that Allah has bestowed upon you. And the final hadith uh, that we will mention in this regard is the hadith in the Tirmidhi, collected and narrated by Abu Huraira and Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiyallahu anhuma, that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wasallam that a person will come on the day of judgment and Allah will say to them, did we not give to you hearing and sight and wealth and children and we gave to you livestock and crops and agriculture and we allowed you to become a leader amongst your people 
and to benefit in terms of profit, do you think that you would have all of this and you would not be made to meet your Lord and be asked about this on the day of judgment? And that person will say, no, O Messenger of Allah, I never thought, no, O Allah, I never thought that I would be questioned about it. So Allah will say to him, today, you will be forgotten just as you forgot about us in the dunya. Right? And again, this hadith seems to encompass everything, sight, hearing, wealth, and everything. Right? So therefore, the question is, what is it that we're referring to when it comes to this type of na'im? Sheikh Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his tafsir al bayan, he said that al-na'im is everything that you benefit from, any blessing that you have, anything that you enjoy and you take comfort from, is included in the word of al-na'im or blessing. And amongst the scholars of tafsir, there are many narrations as to what it is that it's referring to. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiyallahu an, Mujahid, Sha'bi, Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahumullah, they said al-na'im in this verse refers to security and good health. Refers to security and good health. Ali radiyallahu an and Abu Ja'far, they said that al-na'im refers to al-afiyah, good health or just being safe, guarded from any harm, al-afiyah. It's also reported that Ali radiyallahu an said that al-na'im is what you eat even if it is from Bali and to be able to drink from the cold water of the river and the house that you live in. All of this will be from the na'im that you are questioned about. Abdullah bin, Mas- Abdullah bin Abbas radiyallahu anhuma said, and na'im is having good health and using your sight and your hearing. Allah Azza wa ask you about all of this. What did you use it for? Even though he knows better what you did with these blessings. Abdullah bin Umar, Radiallahu anhuma said, an naim is to be able to drink cold water in the summer heat. To be able to drink cold water in the summer heat. Abu Umama, radiallahu an, he said, that an naim is to eat the bread made out of wheat and to drink sweet water. Al Hassan al Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, We used to say, You'll be asked about Allah's blessings on that day. It includes hearing and sight and the health that Allah has given to you. And another scholar said that I saw Sa'id ibn Jubayr, rahimahullah, the famous scholar amongst the tabi'een, he was given some honey and he ate or drank from that honey and he said, this is from the na'im, from the blessings that Allah will hold us to account for on the day of judgment. Mujahid, rahimahullah ta'ala, said in the tafsir of this verse, it is everything that you benefited from in the dunya. Everything that you enjoyed in the dunya falls under an naim Ikrimah, the famous scholar, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said it refers to good health, free time and wealth. Good health, free time and wealth. And Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask a person about every single blessing that they were given and what they did with that blessing. Does wealth include children? No. You mean just the word wealth itself? No, so in this context, so what what we're seeing here now, as we will mention, like these are like, I don't know how many I gave you, like nine or 10 different statements from amongst the tabi'een. Each one of them mentions something slightly different or gives a different explanation of what a na'im is. 
and as we've established in the principle before many times, is that what they're doing is giving you a tafsir by example. By example. So it's not a comprehensive tafsir of this verse. So some of the scholars mention children. Others say health or sight and hearing. Others say food or water. Others say everything that is beneficial. So what they're doing, each one is giving you an example of what one an-na'im is. When you bring all of them together, what does it take us to? takes us more or less to everything, right? Everything you will be asked about, everything is from that. Um, even though some of the scholars did in their tafsir, like Shaqiti himself, he excludes the three things that the Prophet mentioned in the hadith of Abu Asib, basic food, basic accommodation, basic clothing. He says those are the things that no one will be asked about. Allah has made them into an exception. But everything else will be asked about. And what we're trying to establish here is what is the general position amongst the scholars? Do they say that there are exceptions to this or is everything included? And if everything is included, then how do we understand that hadith in light of that generality? Yeah, so, okay, so the question is that the first hadith that we mentioned, which is the hadith of Abu Hurairah and Sahih Muslim, the Prophet of Abu Bakr and Umar come out, they're hungry, they eat, and the Prophet of says, you will be questioned about this. The third hadith, the hadith of Abu Sa'asib, they're told, you won't be questioned about this food, right? The difference between the two is what? The difference is the third hadith says, enough food to satisfy your hunger. But in the first hadith in Sahih Muslim, they don't just have a little bit to satisfy their hunger. They eat from three different types of dates, water and meat. Right? So it is not just your basic staple food, it is more than this. Right? And that's why I said that the exception that the scholars mentioned is basic food, basic clothing, basic accommodation. Someone lives in a palace, they're like, no, this is like, you know, it keeps me warm right, in the winter, it's cool in the summer. No, that's not what the hadith is saying. Right? That hadith says enough just to cover your aura, enough just to keep you away from the extreme weather, enough just to satiate you or satisfy you from your hunger. But there is that issue of how to reconcile then in that generality and we'll mention what some of the scholars said in terms of that, uh, inshallah. So that's the general statements amongst the scholars of the Salaf, amongst the companions in the Salaf concerning the meaning of a naim. And generally they kind of seem to all veer towards its generality that it's comprehensive, that it includes more or less every type of blessing. Ash-Naqiti, rahimahullah, in his tafsir, he says, Allah Azza wa Jal's blessings are too many in number, right? Too many to count, as Allah says himself in the Quran, in Surah An-Nahl, verse 18, If you were to try to enumerate Allah's blessings, you would be unable to do so. So, he says, he says, so therefore, all of these statements amongst the scholars of tafsir concerning the meaning of a na'im are by way of example, not by way of exclusivity. Each one of them is giving an example of a na'im. They don't mean that this is the only blessings that you will be asked about, but rather these are some of the examples that they gave. He said, and all, all blessings, this is Shanqiti, he's saying all blessings 
come down to three main categories, three main things. He said the first of them is Islam and Iman. The first of them is Islam and Iman. Allah says in the Quran, اليوم أكملت لكم دينكم وأتممت عليكم نعمتي ورضيت لكم الإسلام دينا. Today I have completed your religion for you, perfected my blessing upon you. So Allah calls it a ni'mah, right? So that's the first one, a na'im. He says, and within this includes everything that Islam brings in terms of benefit. For example, um, salah, fasting, hajj, all of that, even brotherhood, right? Brotherhood, for example, when Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ عَدَاءً فَأَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ and remember the blessing of Allah upon you when you used to be enemies one to another and he caused your hearts to love one another and you became brothers. Allah calls it a blessing. So Shaqiti says anything that falls under that scope of Islam, that umbrella of religion, even brotherhood and all of those other aspects that Allah mentions, they come under that first category. The second category is health, good health and Allah's protection from diseases and hardships and trials and so on. As Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Al-Balad, أَلَمْ نَجْعَلْ لَهُ عَيْنَيْنِ وَلِسَانًا وَشَفَتَيْنِ Did we not give to you two eyes and a tongue and lips? And as Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Al-Isra, إِنَّ السَّمْعَ وَالْبَصَرَ وَالْفُؤَادَ كُلُّ أُولَائِكَ كَانَ عَنْهُ مَسْؤُولًا Your hearing, your sight, your heart, all of this you will be questioned about on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And the third thing he said is wealth. Everything that comes back to wealth, what you eat, what you drink, your clothing, your accommodation, all of it comes back to the issue of money and the issue of wealth. Why does he bring these three things as the three main categories? Religion, health, wealth. He says because they are mentioned in the hadith in the Tirmidhi, in which the Prophet said that a person on the day of judgment will not move their two feet until they are asked about five things their life and what they did with it, their knowledge and what they acted upon it, their wealth, where it came from and where they spent it, and their youth and how they exhausted it. Right? And those five things, therefore, are speaking about religion, health and wealth. Right? And he says, so therefore this is, uh, this is why all of the ni'am, all of Allah's blessings come down to those three categories. He then goes on to say, uh, this is still Shanqid rahimahullah ta'ala. He says, so therefore it is established in the Quran and the Sunnah that every blessing will be questioned, a person will be questioned about on the day of judgment. Even those that are not materialistic, they're not physical things that you can touch, but even what you benefit from in terms of, uh, you know, your good personality, your good demeanor, having contentment, tranquility, peace at heart, comfort, those things that you experience internally, even those will be asked about on the Day of Judgment. And he mentions the hadith in Ibn Majah, which the Prophet wasallam it is said he was sitting with a group of people. And they say that the Prophet wasallam came out and he sat with this group of people. So some of them said to the Messenger of Allah, O Messenger of Allah, today you seem to be in good spirits. You seem to be in good spirits. And then they began to speak about one another and praise Allah for the wealth that they gave to them. The Prophet ﷺ said, there is no harm in wealth for the one who has piety. And to have good health, so there's no harm in wealth, in money, for the one who has piety. But the one who has good health and piety is better than the one who has wealth. 
and to be in good spirits is from the blessings of Allah. To have a good demeanor, be in good, a good mood, good spirits, it is from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Al-Hassan Al-Qatada from amongst the scholars of the past, and like I said, Shalqiti kind of like seems to veer towards this opinion as well. They said that you will be asked these verses or this hadith, these hadith when we bring them together show that you will be asked about everything except the three things that are excluded in the hadith of Abu Asib radiallahu an. So you're not asked about basic clothing, basic fooding, basic, basic food and basic accommodation. Everything else you will be questioned about on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So after your basic housing, what you have on top of that, you're questioned about it. Once you've covered your awrah, meaning with a single piece of clothing, everything else is extra, you asked about it. What you need from basic food to survive, anything extra, so all your chocolates and lattes and all that stuff, you will be asked about on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Anything extra, therefore, falls under that category. This was the opinion of Qatada. It's also attributed to the opinion of Al-Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala. Al-Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah, after mentioning all of this, he said, was-sawabu, and the correct opinion from all of this, is that Allah will ask everyone about everything. And that Allah Azza wa in this verse, when he says, an-na'im, blessing, he doesn't specify certain types of blessing or exclude other types of blessing. But rather, he uses the word blessing, which includes every type of blessing, basic or not basic, specific or not specific, what people need and what they don't need, anything that falls under the category of being a blessing, therefore comes under this verse. So Imam al-Tabari says, despite what they're saying, these scholars, despite the narration of the hadith, it includes every type of blessing. Al-Imam ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, was-sahih, and the correct opinion is that it is general. It includes every type of blessing. Every single type of blessing that a person has, they will be asked about on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Shaykh Al-Sa'di, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, Allah Azza wa Jal calls it An-Na'im, because it is everything which a person benefits from, whether internally or externally. So the happiness that you feel, the joy that you feel, the contentment that you experience, the tranquility of the heart is from the Na'im. It is from the blessings that Allah gives to a person in addition to the blessings of the physical world of food and drink and marriage and children and wealth and so on and so forth. Right. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala in his tafsir after he mentioned this and he mentioned the opinion of Hassan and Qatada that they say that there is an exception. He said, sawab, And the correct opinion is that it is more general than this, more general than what they specify. Rather, it is open. It is open and it includes everyone. So how then do they reconcile between the two? They say, uh, or they mention, uh, for example, Al-Qurtubi mentions this as an opinion in his tafsir. Shaykh al-Thaymeen mentions this in his tafsir. They say that the questioning that is being referred to here is that the questioning for the believer will be a questioning that is easy. And it will be a questioning in a way that Allah presents his blessings as a way of reminding that person what they had. And because that person only ever used them in good and obedience, that presentation or that questioning is easy for them. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives them for their mistakes and for their errors and for the sins that they may have committed in that regard. Whereas the, the questioning in terms of the disbeliever is a questioning of hardship, a questioning that is difficult and accounting that is extremely 
difficult for that person. So they say that the hadith, therefore the exception of the basics, no, a person will still be questioned about them, but for the believer, it is not a questioning in which they are uh, punished for it. It is just simply Allah reminding them of their blessings. And that is how they reconcile between the two. So when the Prophet is saying, make an exception, the exception he's making is that that person won't be held to account for the meaning, that Allah Azza wa won't punish them on that account. Rather, it is done out of way of, of reminding them of Allah's favors upon them. Whereas for the disbeliever, even that basic amount, because they never did any good with it, is something that they are held account for. And that is how they reconcile between those two things. And Allah Azza wa knows best. The second issue in, in, in terms of this verse is the issue of whether this is specific then for the disbelievers, this type of accounting, or whether it is, again, general and includes the believers and the disbelievers. Al-Imam ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said that there is nothing in the wording of the verse of the Qur'an, nor in the authentic sunnah, nor even from a logical perspective that would show to us that the questioning is only for the disbelievers. Rather, what seems apparent from the Qur'an, from the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and what makes sense logically as well, is that Allah will hold to account everyone, and Allah will question everyone, and everyone will be questioned about these blessings. But as we said, Ibn al-Jawzi and others, Ibn al-Jawzi al-Qurtib and others said, the difference is in the way that the two are questioned. The believer is questioned as well, but it's not done out of fear, or out of punishment, or out of ridicule, or out of demeaning them. But for the believer, it is one of ease and one of uh, just simply reminding them of the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentions a number of evidences for this and he mentions a number of the ahadith that we mention. Amongst the scholars of tafsir, there is a few, there are a few who said no, the questioning on Yawm Al-Qiyamah is only for the disbelievers. The believers on our question, this questioning that Allah is referring to, is referring to the disbelievers. Ibn al-Qayyim says, they say this based upon a weak narration. The reason why they said this is of a weak narration. That hadith that we mentioned in Sahih Muslim, when the Prophet and Abu Bakr and Umar, when they come out and they go to that man's house from the Ansar, and he gives them meat and he gives them different types of dates and water and so on. In another narration of the same hadith, when the verse was then revealed, Abu Bakr said in this narration to the Prophet O Messenger of Allah, don't you remember that day we went to the house of Abu Haytham, who is the companion of the Ansar, whose house they went to? Don't you remember when we went to his house and we ate from his dates and we ate from his meat and we drank from his water? Does that not, be, is that not included in this verse? And the Prophet said in this narration, no, this questioning is for the disbelievers only. This questioning is for the disbelievers. But this is a weak narration, Ibn Qayyim says. It is not an authentic narration. So they base their understanding that the questioning is for the disbelievers upon the weak wording. But the correct wording, as we mentioned, the one that is in Sahih Muslim, the authentic narration, doesn't mention this addition. Doesn't mention Abu Bakr an asking this question. But rather he leaves it at the Prophet saying, you will be asked about this on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, on the Day of Judgment. And that is why, Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim Ta'ala says, therefore the correct opinion is that every person will be asked concerning each of those blessings on the Day of Judgment and therefore it is not something which is specific to one group or another. Qatada Rahimahullah Ta'ala said, everyone will be asked concerning what they worship and concerning how they responded to the, the, believer, uh, to the messengers that were sent to them. 
So he said that this is also included from the blessings that Allah gave to people on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, they will be questioned about this. And Ibn Jarir Al-Tabari, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, Imam Al-Tabari, he said, you will be asked on the day of judgment by Allah about everything that you received from blessing in this dunya, what you did with those blessings, where those blessings came from, how they came to you, how you attained them, and how you spent them and used them, and what you did with regards to them. And Qatada Rahimahullah Ta'ala said that a person will be asked about two types of blessings. The blessings that they took from halal and they spent in halal, they will be asked about this, and that means how did they thank Allah for those blessings? That is the questioning of the blessings that are halal. And the other questioning is the blessings that they had, in which there is some haram, they will be held to account for that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Finally, to finish, this verse then shows that there is a type of questioning. There is a questioning on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So based on what we have then from these narrations and from what the statements of the scholars say, that for the believer, there, are, or there will be three types of accounting on the Day of Judgment. Three types of accounting on the Day of Judgment. The first type of accounting is where a person is given a free pass. They're not questioned. They're not punished, they're not held to account. And that is what the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas عنهمah, that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah from this Ummah there will be 70,000 who will enter into Jannah without accounting and without punishment. That's the first group, that's the first type. Those people that are given a free pass. The second type of people who will be held to account are the believers on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And their accounting is one of presentation, one of reminding them of Allah's favors. One of them being shown what Allah gave to them so that Allah Azza wa may forgive them for their sins. And this is mentioned in a number of a hadith, uh, in the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim of Aisha, radiallahu anha. She says the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whosoever on that day is debated, then they will be punished. Meaning that if it's not a presentation, but they're asked and they're debated, and they ask to justify, and there's back and forth questioning and answering, those are the people that will be punished. Meaning for the believers, it is not an issue of questioning, it is simply an issue of reminding, presenting to them what they did and Allah's favors over them. She says that the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that I said to the Prophet Sallallahu doesn't Allah says, say in the Quran, فَسَوْفَ يُحَاسَبُ حِسَابًا يَسِيرًا They will be given an accounting that is easy. He said, yes, the accounting that is easy, is to be presented with your deeds. So mere presentation, that is the accounting that is easy. Al-Hafidh ibn Hajj ta'ala said that Imam Al-Qurtubi said in his, in his explanation of this hadith that for the believers, it is that they are given and presented with their deeds as a way of Allah reminding them of his favors and as a way of Allah veiling them from the sins that they committed so that he can forgive them rather than punish them. In the hadith that is Clicked by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha. She said that I asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam concerning the easy accounting on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet said that a person will be presented with their sins and then Allah will forgive them for them without holding them, you know, without the questioning element. And that is the easy accounting. And this is for the believers, as Shaykh Nathaymeen rahimahullah and other scholars mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, the thought of Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhumah, the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that Allah will come close to the believer on the day of judgment. And Allah will veil the believer, meaning that he will conceal them from everyone else on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. 
and then Allah will remind that person, didn't you do such and such? Didn't you commit such and such a sin? And that person will say, yes, O oh Allah, yes, O oh Allah, until that person will believe that they will be destroyed because of the number of sins that they will be reminded of. But Allah will say to them, just as we veiled you in the dunya, today we will forgive you on this day of judgment. And that person will be then given their good deeds. The Prophet ﷺ then continued, as for the disbeliever and the hypocrites, for them, their witnesses will come in front of everyone on the day of judgment, meaning that it will be apparent and open. And that is the difference between the two. One is veiled, concealed, behind closed doors, so to speak, and the other one will be done in front of everyone. The third type of accounting then is what they call hisabul munaqasha, where Allah will question and debate and people will have to respond and justify. And when that is done, that is for the disbelievers, it is for the believers who have major sins or the Muslims who have committed major sins and were not forgiven that Allah chooses to punish and for the hypocrites and so on. And there are a number of hadith that speak to that as well. So bringing all of those different narrations together shows you that there are those three elements of accounting on Yawmul Qiyamah. Okay, any questions? Inshallah. Before we go on to questions though, um, Inshallah Ta'ala, that brings us to the conclusion of the tafsir of Surah Takathur. Next week, Inshallah Ta'ala, we're going to do something slightly different. And that is that we're going to be going through the, uh, the methodology of Imam Al-Tabari in his tafsir. So we're going to speak a little bit about Imam Tabari and his um, life and, and biography. But one of the things that we wanted to do, inshallah, this year in QP, and we really haven't had a chance um, thus far, but one of the things that I want to do is to give you an introduction to the tafsir of Imam Tabari, which is one that we're constantly quoting from. It's you know something that we're heavily reliant upon. But to just to give you a flavor of his methodology of tafsir and what he does and how he does things, and I think that's something which is good, It'll, you know, it's something different, and it's something which we don't really have access to in the English language. It's not something which um, you know, you'll find much of in the English language. So inshallah ta'ala, that will be next week's lesson that we'll concentrate on, and then inshallah we'll go back to the tafsir of the next surah. Uh, question online, did I answer any of these questions already? I think I answered one, right? Are there any, uh, anyone's? If you do dua for something as an example for afiyah, as the Prophet recommended, should we do this whilst keeping in mind that we will be asked about what we are granted as a blessing. Yeah, so the, 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 these hadith don't say that don't ask Allah for his blessings, but that when you get them, you use them in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why we said for the believer who gets them in a halal way, uses them in a halal way, for them their accounting will be easy because of that. So the hadith don't say don't ask Allah for children, don't ask Allah for wealth, don't ask Allah for good health, but rather when Allah gives you those blessings to use them in a manner that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the last class you said, and that's why Zaid ibn Aslam said it is referring to that bridge. So upon it will be those who will be successful, meaning they won't pass over it. Is it possible to confirm that you intended to say won't? I don't, I don't exactly understand what the question is. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly. So if you can clarify that question, please. Ask again next week. Or ask again next week, yeah. Because um, upon it will be those who will be successful, meaning they won't pass over it. So the believers obviously do pass over the bridge, right? So if that's where the confusion is, the believers are the one who pass over the bridge, the disbelievers are the ones who don't. So if that's where the confusion was, then yeah, that's correct. The believers pass over the bridge, the disbelievers do not. Is that right? Okay. 
proceeding with is there any specific yeah, yeah. So that's the hadith right, that we mentioned. The Prophet Abu Barza, you asked about how you receive those blessings. If, for example, if it's wealth, how you earned it, how you gain that wealth, and then how you spend it. That's what the question is. And if it's something that Allah just gives to you in terms of like health, then you're not so much question about how you earned it because it's something that Allah gave to you, or your life, for example. It's not something that you earned, but how you used it. If you receive blessings that you don't realize are blessings, for example. Okay, so the question is, so what if you use a blessing, if you have a blessing but you don't really recognize or realize that it's a blessing? Yeah. Okay, so, so if, you, if there's blessings uh, that we have that we don't really realize or recognize, that's why you have the hadith of the Prophet that says that every morsel of flesh or every limb of the body, there is a sadaqah upon it right, in the morning. So to say, subhanAllah, sadaqah, alhamdulillah, sadaqah, and Allah akbar, sadaqah, and to smile at someone is sadaqah, and to give charity is sadaqah, and so on and so forth. And then at the end, the Prophet said, and to read the two rak'ahs of duha takes all of this. So you have those ahadith that say that there are certain actions. If you can't, for example, thank Allah for everything, then, you know, all the, the dhikr that you have in the morning and the evening, Allahumma ma asbaha bi min ni'matin, aw bi ahadin min khalqik, faminka wahdaka la sharika lak, falak alhamdu walaka shukr. Oh Allah, every blessing that you gave to me or any of your creation in this morning, then it comes from you alone. None has the right to be worshipped except you. So for you is all thanks and praise. The Prophet said, whoever does this, then they have fulfilled the shukr of their day, right? And the evening, and that's why you have those adhkar. So it's like a thing that you do for everything that you don't recognize, that you don't realize, that you don't, you don't necessarily um, thank Allah Azza wa Jal for. And that's the beauty of our sharia, that you have those small actions that fulfill a great deal of things that otherwise we would be unable to do. Is that the wine in the fortress of Muslim? I'm sure it is. In terms of the sadaqah, yeah. that hadith is, is uh, specifically about sadaqah, about the actual physical wealth or giving of charity. But there are obviously the concept of sadaqah in Islam is much wider than this, the charity part. So you have a hadith and verses that speak about it in the monetary context. And then you have other hadith that speak about it in its more general concept, which is any type of goodness. Any type of good act that you do is a form of charity. Sorry? Yeah, so it's sadaqah as in like you, the good that you do for people. <coughs> the good that you do, the way that you help them, the way that you benefit them. Yeah, so. Okay, jazakumullah khair, inshallah. I'll see you guys next week. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.